0: Hello and welcome to this special series of episodes called 29 Days of Magic. During Black History Month, the month of February, I'll be interviewing a Black woman a day who's from business and entrepreneurship, you name it, I'm going to have a chat with her. The idea for this is to show off the amazingness of Black women throughout various industries. I hope you take a listen, like, share, review, and be inspired by these incredible stories. Take a listen. Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Race Podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Mignot, CEO of the cultural communications agency, D Flash. Each episode, I bring on a different business leader who's doing some game changing work. And this episode is no different. I'm so excited to have Paula Sue, who's a senior instruction strategist at Heartbeat, and talk about her career journey, what she's learned along the way, and so much more. Ah, it's going to be a great conversation. Take a listen. Hey, Paula. Hey Laura, thanks for having me. Sure, Um, it's always good to have folks from all different walks of industry come through and so I'm psyched to talk to you. So the way the podcast works is the first question is always the same. So Paula, what was your first job? Awesome,
1: Um, so my first job in general was in high school. Um, I was a newsletter assistant um, for my skating program actually. And so that was the first time I actually started to get into um, writing for like an organization, um, playing with photography and layouts and things of that nature. And I just kind of like helped out around the office. Um, so that was a really cool experience.
0: And did you learn how to deal with crazy people?
1: I did, you know, <laughs> some, of, some of the parents were interesting characters for sure. And they had me, you know, answering the phones, all the things that you're nervous to do um, for your first job. So yeah, a couple of crazy books.
0: And once you learn how to deal with crazy people, it it comes in very handy in the future.
1: It does, yes. Um,
0: So, you know, okay, so you start from there to, you know, a fast-moving career already. So how did we get to be having this conversation today? What's been that journey like so far?
1: Yeah, so I um, studied communication in undergrad with a minor in sociology. And I went into undergrad wanting to do magazine writing, so I was also on um, her campus, which is an online magazine for college women, and I worked for the chapter at my school. And as I kind of went through that process, I was like, I like writing, but I feel like writing geared towards women is a little surface level. It doesn't really um, allow you to dive more deeply into certain topics. It was always kind of like 10 best watches to to match with your outfit and and things of that nature. And I wanted to talk about things that were a little bit deeper and really have a role in increasing representation of people of color um, in the media. So by the time I was a senior, I had a friend who told me to apply for something called MAPE, um, which is the Multicultural Advertising Internship Program through the four A's. Um, So I applied on a whim and was like, I have no other prospects, you know, especially with communication, you get hired on later in the year. Um, And I had friends who were in business, who were able to secure jobs from like the end of first semester. So I was already nervous. I was like, this is my first (laughs) attempt. Um, So I applied, I got in, and then as a finalist, you get matched with a random agency. So I got matched with Publicis Health. Um, Didn't know anything in terms of healthcare and advertising. I thought I would end up doing something a little more flashy, but I was like, this sounds interesting. I'm into it. I'm going to give it a shot. Um, and then I was placed at Heartbeat specifically because the recruiter thought that I would fit in with the company culture.
0: Um, and I've been there ever since. Wow. So tell me about the MAPE program. Cause I think, you know, this is you know, great. And one of the reasons I wanted to have you on the show because I think folks have heard about MAPE um, mm-hmm. and, but are kind of unclear. So especially for college students, can you tell us what that's like what that process was like for you?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, so with the May program, I believe um, there are about two or three rounds within the application process. So I applied in October, I want to say. Um, and in that first application, you know, you have like a couple essays, recommendations, and then you also have to do a video where you kind of like find a creative way to um, explain who you are. Um, and I'm not super great with, with videos. I so remember mine was very silly and just kind of like me using different outfits to represent different aspects of who I was and my experiences um, and my culture. Um, So after I submitted that, I was a semi-finalist and then I had to do a virtual interview. Um, And then I was announced as a finalist, I think in December, January. Um, I remember I was going home (laughs) from school for winter break. Um, And then February was draft day. So that's the day you get um, matched with an agency. and then the program started the following summer. So we had an orientation, and then um, got to meet the other neighbors, depending on what city you're in. Cause you can also get, um, you can also get matched in whatever city that you choose if you have like a top three. So I was placed in New York, which is where I was from. Um, and we had orientation. We got to learn from um, the people who worked at the agency where we had the orientation. And then yeah, from there, everyone goes to their own individual agencies for their internships. But then they would bring us together maybe like once a week every other week for like a particular session with a different um agency so it was cool because i got to have my own experience at heartbeat but i was also able to learn from different agencies like mccann um i think we had a session with sensu so it was like a really nice mix of experiences
0: awesome what what made you decide to kind of stick with the program because obviously it's something new you hadn't done before like what what made you stay
1: I think I was just really looking forward to having something that was transitional and kind of like a home base um, because I had, you know, classmates who had done an internship every single summer and like were really focused on what they wanted to do. And I did not have that experience at all. My first summer job was at a bakery. And then after that, I um, worked with students at my school over the summer. So I didn't really have any um, professional experience to really give me a sense of what I wanted to do. I only had. Um, an editorial internship I did the second semester of my senior year. Um, So I was really grateful for something that was a little more um, transitionary, something where I could kind of learn about different aspects of the industry. Um, And, you know, it's pretty, I think it was also like, It wasn't a super intimidating program where it felt like we had to accomplish a lot or like have something big to show for it at the end. Um, It was just something that, you know, we got to each have our own individual experiences and share with each other. Um, So it was just kind of a perfect fit for where I was in terms of just having, even building a network, like I didn't have a network of people who were in communication. So I was able to meet people from different parts of the country who were also interested in different things.
0: Awesome. And so you're at Publicis Health now, at Heartbeat. Um, What is it that you actually do? Because what does a senior strategist do?
1: So we do a mix of things. Um, I primarily work on an account with a pharmaceutical company that works in HIV. Um, And we do kind of a um, unbranded project for them. So it's more so focused on Um, creating social work and working on their website to provide content about HIV um, and about all the different barriers that are um, in the way of preventing um, ending the epidemic. Um, And I've been on the account for a little over a year, so it's been a really interesting experience to just see that account evolve over time. Um, and then previously to that, um, I was freelancing. So I got to do a whole bunch of different projects. I worked with a government agency and we just did research for them, trying to help them um, figure out how to update their website to provide more um, resources for um, people living with cancer, um, helped with website updates and developments, a lot of measurement um, and reporting for sure. And then now I'm kind of moving into stages, helping with more of the briefing work, um, doing research on the audience, things of that nature.
0: So wait, does that mean you actually get to write a brief? Because as someone who, I like to say I'm a recovering agency person, um, (laughs) uh, because I own my own, and we don't do briefs at my agency, because I cannot. (laughs) But can you, but do you you get it, have to get your hands dirty and write an actual brief for your creative teams.
1: I have, I, I'm not doing them as much now cause I'm more focused on um, measurement and that takes up a lot of my time. Um, but I have done them kind of throughout the time that I've been on the account. And I remember the first time where I wrote a brief where the creative team actually felt inspired. I was so excited like, I was like, oh, I got this. <laughs> like I know what I'm doing. Um, so yeah, definitely brief writing process is really interesting.
0: Yeah, it's it, it. There is an art and the science to that. And my thing, my mm-hmm. usual response is, so we have this thing, and I'd like you to do this other thing to make this thing look pretty. Cool, great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, That's kind of how I do braves now for my team. Um, but mm-hmm. I get it. And you know, it's interesting because you know, obviously you're, um, you know, younger, getting kind of getting your feet wet. Now, what is what do you think of some of the kind of Challenges you face, you know, kind of coming into this industry as someone young and not having that quote unquote network you're supposed to have?
1: Um, I think my biggest challenge early on was just um, dealing with the imposter syndrome that I had coming into it because I think going from school and having like a very set set of like guidelines where you know exactly what you have to do to get a certain grade and that's it, and going into working where there's this. So much you don't know, but you still feel like you need to perform to a degree. Um, It was hard for me to figure out what types of questions to ask, who to go to for information, because I just did not know so much at like a base level. Um, And particularly with strategy work, a lot of it is just kind of like getting in the weeds, figuring things out, um, and doing the best you can. And I think for someone who grew up very high achieving and always getting straight A's, it was hard to be in that that place of vulnerability um, and not really knowing exactly what I was doing.
2: We're so excited to have Soho Works as the sponsor for the Twenty Nine Days of Magic campaign. You know, they're designed by Soho House and their workspace is to help creative thinkers, businesses, small and large, connect, collaborate, and grow. And it's where I'm recording all the episodes of Twenty Nine Days of Magic. It's a safe Wonderful and collaborative experience. Uh, I'm currently in the Brooklyn location, but they have locations one else in New York City in the Meatpacking District, one in LA, five in the UK, and they give kind of, you know, that kind of home away from home feeling with all the tools, technology, equipment to help you do your best work. Uh, like I said, it's an amazing location, feels safe. I've you know been able to meet some really awesome people, which you haven't been able to do a lot because of the fact of COVID. So it's been a wonderful experience being able to record here and help build community. So if you want to find out more information about it please go to soloworks.com to get more information and tell them i sent you and now back to the show
0: you know it's interesting because you know i think a lot of young folks in our industry have this feeling of imposter syndrome uh and i'm like no don't have this (laughs) i'm here um Mm -hmm. how did you kind of find navigate your way through because i think you know, like I said, this is part of the reason why I wanted you on the podcast, because like you're young and killing it. And that's what folks need to see that this you do, you belong in these rooms and you will thrive in these rooms. So how did you how did you how did you begin to overcome that? I will say it definitely took some time
1: because I think also being post-grad in general, like I was dealing with moving back home. I was dealing with not being as close physically to a lot of my friends because some of them still lived in Boston where I went to school. So I think all of the personal issues that I was going through kind of compounded on work and some days it was just like I'm here (laughs) I'm going to show up I'm going to try to do my best Um, and then there were other days where I was able to kind of push myself a little bit further and stretch a little bit further Um, but I think the way that I approached it was really just taking every project that I did and really trying to master it as much as I could so when I was working by myself and doing competitive analyses, like I made sure to get as much feedback as I could to really improve that specific thing that I was working on. So people knew that they could come to me if they needed help with that particular thing. Um, and I think over time, I just was able to gain expertise in different projects of that nature. Um, and I was able to have a good relationship with my manager where she knew the areas that I wanted to grow in. And she was really good at kind of like putting a word in for me where there were those opportunities for me to grow and learn. Um, And then I think after I had that base set of skills, it was easier for me to kind of walk into different rooms and be like, okay, well, I know this, I know this, I can give you a perspective from this um, space. Um, And I think what I wish I had done more of is just being that person who's naive and being more willing to ask people questions, because I think I was so afraid of seeming like I didn't know what was going on, that I wasn't comfortable doing that, but I think that's valuable as well. Um, so I think if I could tell my younger self something, it would be that like don't be afraid to just ask questions because sometimes people need that objective perspective to to improve what they're doing. You don't have to know
0: every single thing. Well, you just jumped ahead because that was going to be my next question. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say like, what do you think you, you know? Now that you know, you tell like eighteen-year-old Paula. Eighteen-year-old Paula, let's
1: see, she was definitely going through it. Um, I think. I think my 18-year-old self did pretty well in the sense that I went into college really open um, because I was pretty shy in high school. So I had like my specific group of friends and I excelled in in different pockets, but I wasn't necessarily um, super social. So I feel like when I went into college, I was like, I'm gonna try to push out of my introvertedness and just make as many friends as possible. Um, I think I would have told her to maybe spend more time thinking about what she wanted to do in the future not from a perspective of like, Um, having to land every single internship or do things in that way but just um, going for that dream more more intentionally Um, because I think I wanted to do the magazine writing I wanted to do things more so related to like music for example but I never I never pushed for it fully I never tried fully and I think sometimes again that's also imposter syndrome because there's that fear of like failing. So if you never fully tried, then you never have to right. deal with, with you know, the that, repercussion like, of failure.
0: Ow. Yes.
1: Yeah. So I think during that time, especially where there was more space to do so, I wish I had just let myself fail.
0: That's actually really a really important point because I think this is the thing, well, you know, I, I, I say this like 11,000 times a week. It's like, there is no reason to rush. You have plenty of time to screw up. <laughs> and, like, and to learn from those screw ups, you know, get a little weather beaten uh, and mm-hmm. then kind of pu- and push yourself forward and, you know, and not be afraid to try because, um, you know, we have so many options at our fingertips uh, now versus like even when I was graduating college, like what, 15 years ago, 15, 16 years ago. Um, mm-hmm that we didn't have, like it was crazy for me to think that like we didn't have social media when I graduated college. It wasn't until like three years after I graduated that we actually had social media. And on the one hand, I'm like, thank God, there are no photos. because <laughs> 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 Oh my God. Um, but was, well, the other token is that like, um, you have so much you can do now and, and you know, and how you can sort of figure out What you want to do see more folks try new things try different platforms and kind of bring all those great tactics that you've learned along the way into whatever job that you have so that's pretty awesome part about it all
1: Mm -hmm. yeah and even an aspect of what i do outside of work so i i have a um, brand called melanated misfit that is specific to um, encouraging wellness for women of color And I remember I had a blog when I was 18, but I was so scared of like anyone seeing it or writing something that wasn't perfect that I just never really pushed myself with it. And it took until maybe like two years ago where I was like, I'm going to start where I am. I'm going to keep writing. I'm going to keep experimenting. I'm going to keep, you know, putting myself out there and see the different ways that I can grow. And I just feel like I missed out on so much time because I was so afraid to do it when I was younger.
0: Time. So tell me about, so tell me about the side the project. Yes, so
1: I started Maloney and Misfit um, my junior year. It started out as a blog um, for when I went abroad. So I studied abroad in South Africa. And it was kind of an evolution of my previous blog. I forget, I think it was called Misadventures of a Gringo. <laughs> um, because I had went to Brazil my senior year of high school, and everyone called me a gringo, but in Portuguese it's more um, it's a more like familiar term. It's not necessarily like a negative term. Um, so it was more like an appreciative term, I guess. So that's what I based my first blog off of. And then my second blog um, kind of had the same idea in the sense that being someone that you know is black because I grew up in the US, um, but is also African. My parents are immigrants from Togo in West Africa. I never really felt like I fit in <laughs> either way. Um, so if I were to go home, it'd be like, oh, you're too American here, I'm too African. And so Melanie missed Misfit was me kind of going through that process and really thinking through like, how can I use this to help me um, in life in general? And I think just growing up in that space, it gave me a really unique perspective on the world um, and helped me relate to people in a different way. Because I was always kind of like reaching out and stretching myself to really understand people's perspectives, as opposed to just fitting in one identity and centering my whole world around that. Um, And then even being in South Africa, like I was the only black person from my school that went, um, but I was still American. So there was like a privilege with being American and being abroad in an African country. So there's a lot of different dynamics at play. Um, So I first started the blog to kind of help me process that as I was there. Um, And then through my experience abroad, I realized how important self-care was to me because that was when um, he who shall not be named got elected. <laughs> and I was really starting to struggle with anxiety and things of that nature. Um, so when I came back to the U.S., I really started to focus more so on self-care. Um, and it's kind of just evolved from there.
0: Awesome. So, you know, you know, it's funny, like, you know, so you're studying abroad. You're the, so you had none, none of your classmates when you were in South Africa and you were just like there, like, I'll figure this out. Yep,
1: that's me. There were people from my school, but I hadn't really known them prior, Um, and we lived in different areas too, so there wasn't even a lot of time for us to get to know each other, Um, and the friends I made there were amazing from, that were also from the U.S., but even within our group, we always joked that we looked like a a diversity pamphlet, because it was (laughs) me, it was one white girl, (laughs) it was like two Mexican people, and then one Korean person, and we were all just like hanging out. Um, and we were so diverse that people would stare at us when we like went to, you know, go do things in town. So, um, yeah, so we all had very different perspectives of how we were interpreting um, our experience and how people were reacting to us while we were there.
0: Awesome, where in South Africa were you? I was in Cape Town. Oh, I went awesome. to the University of Cape Town, yeah. And, you know, so it's, it's funny because like you sort of have to have, you know, two feet, each one foot in two different in each different world that you sort of walk into what's that been like um
1: it's been interesting I will say there are times where it has felt really just difficult especially from like emotional perspective because it in my mind sometimes it feels like it would be so much easier if I just knew where I belonged (laughs) and could just like rely on that um but I think in some ways it's also forced me to find home within myself and not look for something outside of me to validate who I am what my purpose is um and so I think in that way it's really been a gift because it's really just forced me to stand on my own um and really appreciate being able to um learn about different cultures and have an appreciation for different cultures that I might not have otherwise if I was just kind of like narrowly in my own my own lane but it it is hard sometimes sometimes like I just wish I could go home and like no one would point me out (laughs) or that I could speak my language fluently and I wouldn't have an accent but um you know it is what it is.
0: Well, it's, you know, our, the there is so much beauty in our diversity and even the diversity within ourselves. So it's got to roll with it uh, and you bring all that to the, you bring that all to the table. So talking about self-care, um, obviously last year was bananas. <laughs> um, how did you navigate? What, what do you do for your self-care? That's so hard to
1: answer because I do so many things. Um, <laughs> because at one hand, I'm writing about it. So I'm trying to look at it from an analytical perspective and like help women of color prioritize it, break it down in ways that people can understand and incorporate into their own lives. So I'm very big on not feeling pressured to always approach self-care the same way. Um, I think there are different seasons in life and different um, tools that help you throughout those different periods of life. So if at one point I'm like journaling every single day, but then I go through a season where I want to color instead then I allow myself to do that because I think there are different things that support you at different times Um, or you may just have a particular need that needs to be met at different times Um, but right now I'm actually doing um, a self-love consistency challenge on my page so I made a list of 28 things to do um, and I cut up all the pieces put them in a jar and I basically pick one thing a day um, to do for myself that's that aligns with something that makes me feel loved and makes me feel um, like I'm taking care of myself. Um, so today, I basically wrote a list of affirmations and then recited them. Um, and I think affirmations are definitely one of my favorite self-care activities. Um, I started listening to a podcast while I was in South Africa um, called Seeds, Beauty, and the Beast by Tracy G, and she has like audio vision boards. So I would just kind of like listen to them on the way to school or just like when I was cleaning around my room. And I think that mm-hmm. subconscious effect of starting to change my um, inner talk and like my inner dialogue was super helpful. Um, but yeah, I do a bunch of things. I'm really trying to get into like exercising consistently because I know that does so much for my energy levels, but I'm so bad at waking up early enough <laughs> to do it. Oh, same. Um, same, same, same. So, you know, I will have grace on that journey. Um, yes. But yeah, I think meditating um, helps me a lot. I did a... Um, I use Insight Timer, and they had a January Mindful Morning Challenge, so I meditated every morning in January, um, trying to stay consistent with that. I think skincare is also a great way of self-care; like that's an easy way to start because it's something you probably already do, so you can kind of make it more luxurious, add a couple more steps when you have time. Um, so yeah, I feel like I do a lot, and it kind of just depends on on the season what is like
0: more active. I love the jar. So how did you come up with the 28 things and like, what are some other ones that are in that jar?
1: Um, what are some other ones? So I did a um, class experience um, in October um, with ICU Wellness, which is a wellness studio based in Brooklyn, and she had us do that as part of um, that set of activities. Um, and I remember I I made the jar and then I just forgot about it and I never (laughs) picked anything from it so that's why I I brought it back for this so I would do it more consistently. Um, So I think on my list I have like affirmations, coloring, drawing, um, taking a bath, um, calling someone. I think like speaking to other people has been super beneficial for self-care because it just makes you feel more human and more connected especially with everything that's going on. Um, I also do like I have meditating in there, also tapping or emotional freedom technique. Um, I had the other day reading. I try to find things to do that are away from the screen. Do you have a question about tapping? I love talking about tapping. (laughs) No, I don't, tell me. Um, So tapping or emotional freedom technique is based off of um, the same meridian points from Chinese acupressure. Uh And so you basically tap on those different points and it's supposed to send a signal to your brain to help your nervous system um, relax. Um, So I think it's really helpful, especially if you have a hard time sitting still to meditate um, because it's just something physical that you're doing. And then as you're doing it, you say a setup phrase and then you say a phrase um, that acknowledges how you're feeling. And then you also say a phrase that says how you want to feel. So I think it's a nice balance of like accepting where where you are, um, acknowledging it and then also at the same time speaking to where you want to be
0: um, so that's one of my favorite activities wow I love that I have to look this up now and figure this out because uh, I know where the meridians are because I get migraines and so I know like behind my ears um, and, uh, and back of my neck I'm um, on the inside of my palms and so oh huh, I, I gotta look at this cell See, I'm learning all the time. This is why I do this podcast Um, because I'm always like, oh, I had no idea. And so what's next for you? So, you know, you're doing great um, at Heartbeat. You've got a great side project. Where do you see yourself a year from now?
1: Hmm, Great question. Um, I think a year from now. I definitely would like to be somewhere warmer. I have to say New York is very cold (laughs) at the moment. Um, And I've always wanted to move to California because my friends that I met in South Africa, they actually all live in California. Um, So I feel like my heart is itching to spend some time there. So moving out is definitely the goal because I also live at home still. Um, and, and in terms of Melanie I do wanna bring it to a point where there's more um, community interaction. Cause I think, you know, right now I'm in a space where I'm trying to be intentional with how much I use social media as well. Um, so it feels counterintuitive to have all of my content be on social or on the website and not give people more opportunities to interact with me in real life or interact with each other. Um, so I think having that be a more consistent part of Melanie as a whole would be amazing. And I've already started to do that. I definitely planned on doing it last year before the pandemic started Um, but I was able to have a um, vision board party in January and that was really cool because it was like a mix of people who already knew me and some new people and it was like a really nice space to be intentional and focus on our goals for the year. Um, and then, yeah, I think with heartbeat, it's such a great, um, agency to be at because it's really diverse and everyone's really welcoming and there's always different opportunities to grow. Um, so I think probably continuing to do what I'm doing, but also bringing in other aspects of myself to work. So I've already started to, you know, drop hints of like, I really like wellness. Like we should meditate after this stressful call, or we should do this to kind of like help. Because I think. Um, especially working virtually when everyone's super stressed out, sometimes people aren't even processing what you're trying to tell them. So I'm usually that person on my team that's like, let's take a five minute break before we dive into the feedback or things of that nature. Um, So, yeah.
0: That's awesome. I love it. So, and last question for you. Uh, Do you have a give and learn ask of the audience? I
1: have a give and ask. That's so hard to answer. I was trying to think of one specific thing. Um, I think generally I would say as a whole, always prioritize yourself and your, your healing and your wellness. Cause I think that just creates so much room for other things to bloom. You know, like I think for me, if I hadn't prioritized dealing with the breaks that I or the barriers I was having in terms of feeling like I could be vocal and speak up um, and just be seen trying Um, I don't think I would be in the position that I am now, and I think that all came from me really sitting with myself, prioritizing my wellness, and dealing with those stories that I had been telling myself throughout my life and changing them, Um, so I think definitely as like a general piece of advice, always, always prioritize your healing. Um, I think in terms of a particular book or person, um, one of my favorite books is Vibrate Higher Daily by Leila Delia, and she talks about wellness from a perspective of um vibrational awareness and trying to and I think we all hear that term like keep your vibes high um but she kind of speaks more to like the the universal laws around that and why it's important and different ways to implement it and I think just all of her content on social is amazing as well so I definitely recommend her
0: awesome I love those I love those both and I, I think you're right it's like you know the one thing that we've all learned in this past year is that you have to put yourself first oxygen mask goes on you before anybody else and so that means prioritizing your wellness and making sure that you're taking care of yourself because it's been a crazy year it's not gonna not gonna magically be awesome this year uh right. and so the more that we can prioritize ourselves and our health um that will lead to a much better way of na- navigating the, the ups and downs and the crazy that we have to deal with so i think that's fantastic advice um, Paula, you are such an amazing star. I'm so excited to see you keep on shining. Thank you so much for being part of the 29 Days of Magic.
1: Thank you so much for having me. And I'm so grateful that you're doing this and spotlighting other black
0: women as well. amazing. Awesome, thank you so much. So we'll put our uh, images in the show notes so folks can check out. Uh, and, us, uh, Mr. Wellness, and that great book that you uh, recommended and some meridian techniques as well. So folks can follow and learn. And that is our show.